Welcome back to Creative Pursuits. My name is Alex Crow, and we have a great show in store for you today. So I guess just kind of delving into everything, I I subscribe to three online print uh, sources, New York Times, LA Times, and then probably my favorite, the Washington Post. I'm partial to the Washington Post. I'm from that area. Uh, and, and they they have a lot of, they run a lot of great articles, a lot of interesting stuff there. And one of those articles they published recently was about this, I guess you could call it a crypto crypto influencer, crypto star. And reading her story definitely piqued my interest. The person of note and our guest today is none other than Crypto NDO. If you want to read the article, it's in the episode notes uh, and links to all of her profiles are there as well. But we get into all manner of topics today, crypto related and kind of we delve into Crypto NDO's backstory and it's really interesting. It was awesome to talk to her and I look forward to sharing that with everyone. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe, hit the subscribe button on this podcast. Please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We really appreciate it. It does help. So on and so forth. This podcast is sponsored by Team People. So if you run a creative services department and you're looking for the right talent to augment your staff, maybe that's a singular specialist or a whole team, I can't stress it enough. You should check out Team People, writers, producers, designers, editors, you name it. If you need talent to get your project done on time, and on budget, let team people go to work for you. Same deal if you're handling technical requirements, like how to pull off the next company meeting in virtual space so it looks better than the 15 Zoom calls you were already on today. Yeah, look no further than team people if you are producing multimedia content. Finding you the right talent is what team people does. So naturally, if you are that talent, that singular specialist, and you're looking for your next challenge, you also you also really need to head to teampeople.tv and check out their job board. There are new opportunities posted nearly every day, opportunities uh, located all over the country, opportunities where it doesn't matter where you are. I, of course, I'm talking about remote work. Either way, get over to teampeople.tv. You can check them out at teampeople.tv on Twitter. You'll find them on LinkedIn as well. And with that said, let's go ahead and get to my conversation with Crypto Wendio. What is the Wendio kind of breakdown of what cryptocurrency is? So cryptocurrency is essentially freedom. It's being self-sovereign. It is breaking away from the oppressive bodies. And oppressive bodies can mean anything to different, mean different things to different people. Um, so it really kind of depends on your personal experience, how you grow up, different things that you witness, different traumas that each person had, because everybody's trauma and everybody's story is different. So cryptocurrency has brought me freedom in the fact that I can be a stay-at-home mom. I don't have to drive. I live in Los Angeles, California. I don't have to drive three hours round trip to go to work to make a decent income. I can work when I want to work. Um, 
and it really it's also a tool of education it's not just a p2p um, cross-border payment system it's not just a database it's not just smart contracts it's a lot more than um than than the really tech heavy stuff to me it's a way it's a for it's a vehicle of education because without bitcoin without crypto i wouldn't have really paid attention to what was happening with the federal government, the IMF, these different regulatory bodies. With, I wouldn't even know what inflation is. I wouldn't even, I just would, I would know kind of like, okay, my purchasing power isn't so much, but I really, really understand how all of this work without, without cryptocurrency. And I know that's a, probably a different explanation than somebody else, but to me, it's about personal empowerment and each person's journey is going to be different. So it, it is a different perspective, but there's certainly something about the way that you break down cryptocurrency, the way that you relate it, it to, to your life and then explain it to other people that resonate, <clears throat> resonates significantly to folks. Cause we, you know, you have had tremendous success. I came across you, your, your persona, your work through the Washington Post. And that's the result of the, the, the work that you've done on building a following on TikTok, building a following on Twitter. Um, and yeah, the article really struck me. So that's why I really wanted to have you on the, the podcast, Wendy. So I guess the next thing I want to talk about, because obviously crypto has had a profound uh, effect on your life. When did you, like, when did crypto first ping on your radar? And when did you realize it was something that you wanted to spend time on? So... My story is a little bit different than other people. I don't come from a tech savvy background. I don't come from a STEM background. I just was a average poor girl who grew up and was like, okay, I'm going to go to school. I'm going to go to college, like get a business degree, you know, work in healthcare, whatever. Well, actually working in healthcare wasn't even an idea back then, but I first heard about Bitcoin in 2011. A family member was like, let me, let me borrow your credit card. Let me buy a bit or to buy Bitcoin. I was like, you're weird. No, we're not doing this. Like, I don't, even think I, I don't even think I had a credit card back then. Cause I was just piecing my life back together. I had, I was a kind of, I was a wild young adult. I right. lived in Hollywood, all kinds of fun stuff. Um, so it was just like, whatever. And at that time I was actually in, I was in process of getting my certification so I can work in healthcare. Um, okay. So whatever. So I got that. And then fast forward, I loved what I did in healthcare. I just didn't like the company. The company became, I used to be, I, I worked in HIV AIDS and infectious disease, and they left a lot of that out of the article because I, like whatever, but I think, I think originally they wanted to do like, like put me in an article with a bunch of other people. Then I started telling um, the writer my story. And I right. think that was kind of captivating for him because it's a very bizarre field. Like you're not going to, you're how cute, how adorable that is. Sorry. No, the podcast I love is being sabotaged by a cat right now. We love, we love animals over here. Um, but working in like a sector like that in an infectious disease, HIV AIDS, it's not like you're going to meet someone like, oh, this is what I do for work. It's a very taboo subject still to this day. There is a lot of, um, there's a lot of stigma about it. People don't understand that the HIV AIDS community is like very, very diverse. Like I can say, I can probably talk about it for hours and hours. Um, but I love my job. I love managing patients. I love working with them. I love knowing about them. I love being able to problem solve with them. And then finally, it got to a point where I was like, I'm working four, 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 10 hour shifts. I was in college part time at community college. I just had a new baby. And I was like, I was pumping still. So I, and I'm sorry for that. But it was just, it was very, it was very hard for me to, to think to myself, like I'm working this job just to pay for childcare and I'm not at home with my baby. This is ridiculous. Like this quality of life is not a good quality of life. So I was like, 
I originally wanted to be a pharmacist and then I realized like you get capped off like 150,000 a year and then you have like 300,000 student debts. It's like, I don't want to do this. Yeah. Um, so it was very hard for me to leave my, my job in healthcare, but I did. And I was very entrepreneurial at the time. And I remember just, I wanted to go get a degree in business. I didn't know what aspect in business, like it just was kind of crazy. Um, but I just was like, I'm just going to trust my gut. I'm not a very person that like makes rash decisions. I'm very like to plan, calculate things, especially because I come from a past of just like being like all over the place all the time um, when I was a young adult and teen. So I, I just remember hearing, kept hearing about Bitcoin on Libertarian Radio on my drive home from work. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to, I'm just going to buy this stuff because people are making money with it. And there's no reason why I can't make money too. Like I'm smart enough to do it. And again, I, I didn't think myself as very tech savvy. So then I just, because, and then really what inspired me to buy it, I went into a TD Ameritrade. I was like, can I open an account? I didn't know anything about finance because I didn't come from that type of background. And they're like, you need $25,000. And I was like, what? Why do I need $25,000 to give to you? Like, why can't I just open an account and invest when I want? So it didn't resonate to me. Right. Um, and I had $25,000 because I had saved up to pay for college. But I was like, why would I know this is not what I'm doing? So then it really kind of start things. And then I bought the big, I bought a thousand dollars worth of Bitcoin, like a thousand dollars worth of ETH. And I think like one Litecoin or something like that. End of 2017 towards the top. Um, I think the average price is like $7,000 at that time when I first got in. Right. Um, but I didn't know what I was doing and I didn't have a plan. It's just kind of, things just kind of happened. Okay. Um, before we go on with, with cryptocurrency, th so this part of your story, I guess, as you mentioned, was omitted from the Washington Post article that ran recently. But I'm curious, I know that a lot of your personality, and again, it seems from the research that I've done that one of the reasons people follow you is because they do get a sense that you really are looking out for, for other folks that are in this community. And it sounds like that's a bit of a through line in terms of your career. Can you just expound a little more upon the work you did in, the H with a in, in terms of the HIV AIDS community um, yeah. and looking out for patients? I'm, I'm just curious about that. Okay. So my job title, I was, I was in a pharmacy and my job title was just to fill prescriptions. That's what, that's what, that's originally like what it started off to be. But when you work in healthcare, they always pile more things on you and they don't give you raises. Like that's yeah. just how healthcare works. So I, I worked in West Hollywood and the HIV AIDS community is very, and the gay community is very, very tight knit, like very, very tight knit. And I've always, I've always been part of, um, I've always been a friend of Dorothy. I guess that's the most polite way to, <laughs> to say it, but I've always been a friend like my, since I was, I remember when I was 13, my, I made friends with a kid that was getting bullied in the class. Cause I stuck up for him and I was like, no, you need to, I like went off on this kid that was being mean to him. It's just, I don't, I don't tolerate bullies at all. But um, so that was my original job title. And then they were integrating a brand new healthcare software system. And then they yeah. had me lead, lead and train people like on how to do it. And then I realized like my patients that wanted to come in, they wanted to really talk to me and they wanted, they just needed, they needed somebody to listen to them because they had all of these issues. They had all of these issues outside of the actual, of the act of actual of HIV AIDS. Sure. And part of my job was, part of my job was making sure that they were adherent, that they were taking their medication, that they would see their doctors. A lot of my clients came in, they were suicidal. They were new to, newly diagnosed. They yeah. were addicted to all different types of stuff. All And we also, the place I worked at was also had an HIV AIDS testing site there. So we would get clients that were brand, that were new 
newly diagnosed that just found out they were positive and it was my job to greet them and it was also my job to make sure I referred them where they needed to go because it's not like like how uncomfortable is it like you just find you, you you're out you're enjoying life whatever story is that happens each person is different you find out you have this life-changing event like right. happens and people are like they don't know what to do so I was like their line of contact and I just I just I remember it was new it was Chris it was it was a day of our Christmas party at work and we used to have these big Christmas parties and we got to leave early and I was so excited to leave early but I had a client that came in and they came in 30 minutes before closing it was my client and his brother and they he I, I know he knew he was positive but he came out and like they were just like I like they knew that I was going to the party so they were like kind of like nervous I was like no 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 it's okay don't worry like we got this we'll take care of this and I was like in and out of the bathroom like doing my makeup because I waited to the end of the shift to to take my lunch right uh, you know whatever so I and but I stopped what I was doing to make sure because I was supposed to be on board again um but I was I just I stopped what I was doing to make sure that they got the information of where they needed to go and like I built a very strong relationship with after that and I've always built a strong relationship with all my clients because you're going to see these people every single day for the rest or not every single day, once a month for the rest of their life. That, that, that's what it is. That's what a diagnosis for HIV AIDS is for something that is lifelong. And you have to figure out, and a lot of these people, they have very difficult personalities because they have all these personal things happening inside, like emotionally and with their families and all kinds of stuff. Plus the medication doesn't make you feel good all the time. So I had to, in order for me to, to do my job, I needed to know who my patients are. I needed to know who my clients are. I needed to know who their partners were, their pets names, if they had animals, if they had kids, if they were previously married, what the deal was. And the reason why is because if I did not, if I couldn't understand who they were as people, I wouldn't be able how to figure out how to communicate with them and how to provide positive resolutions for them to get their medication. Cause we had a lot of insurance issues too. So I had to I really had to learn how to problem solve and I had to learn patience um, because not only was it my job, but it's like, and people go into work and like, this is my job, but I had to, like, it was more than a job because it was people's lives on the line. And like, you, like, you're probably listening to this and the audience is probably like, what the heck is she talking about? But realistically, like I had clients, I had a client that came in to me, it came in and he like was crying. He was talking to me about stuff. And I was just telling him, I was like, I love you. Everything's going to be okay. Like you don't have to go out and do this to get money or you don't have to do whatever. Like I gave him a big hug and like, he came back the next month. He's like, thank you so much. I was like feeling very suicidal that day. So I would have clients with stuff like that, that happened. It was a very, it was a very often occurrence that we would have, I would be in there with a client anywhere between 20 minutes to an hour, just talking to them, making sure everything was okay with them. Because if you don't have a warm place for somebody to come where they feel safe, especially when they have a lot of personal issues, they're not gonna come back and they're not gonna take their medications. They're not gonna stay healthy. And a lot of them had a, a lot of instability in personal life. So I wanted to create not a safe place. I don't really like the term, but I, I wanted to create a place where they can feel comfort and they knew that that they knew they can come in and count on me and get to get their medications because insurance, health insurance in California and in the United States is like, it's been a mess yep. and they couldn't even rely on their health insurance to provide medication. So I just wanted to provide somewhere that was like made. So they felt like everything was going to be okay. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like a key component to your job, or at least the way that you approached it was building a connection with the, with the clients, a personal connection. And 
I want to touch upon how you build that connection with your audience. But first, kind of picking back up with the crypto story, uh, for me personally, I actually got into Bitcoin like late October, November 2017 myself. Um, but the, and where it went from there is it's been a lot of ups and downs. But I know that at least in that time, you know, there was tremendous volatility. We saw it go way up or in the uh, modern parlance, it kind of it went to the moon, right? Um, before kind of crashing, crashing back down. So if you were just getting into this space, I can't imagine that you, it's just all green days and you sell, you sold at the peak and then you bought back in at the bottom. What was kind of some of the, what were some of the kind of stumbling blocks that you came across early on in your career trading cryptocurrency? Oh my God. I bought, so I bought in around, I want to say it was like seven to $9,000. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to give like an exact amount because I don't know. And people come back and be like, you're a scammer. You right. lied. I'm like, I don't remember. It was like 2017. Um, but I bought in, I didn't know what I was doing. I just kept buying Bitcoin. I bought at the, like the top it was like 17.7. I bought, I just kept holding because we kept thinking it was going to go up. Then I thought I was like, knew what I was doing with trading. So I started investing in altcoins. I held those because I didn't know any better. And I was like, oh, you can't do that. So I lost a lot of money holding. I lost a lot of money trading um, because when you really... They say that there is a year tuition time of trading. Like you pay, you're basically paying dues the first year. There's a lot of losses and I'm still learning trading. Like I'm, I'm, I'm never going to be an expert at trading no matter what. Like it, it's, it's a, it's a very, it's a hard job. Right. So like I get to, I do, I'm like, I'm trading now I'm investing and I do a lot of other things in the space too. But I, I, you know, I, I, and also too, like I've sent money to the wrong address. Like, cause you know, you're like, okay, I got a little bit of Ethereum. I got some Bitcoin. I'm going to send it over to FTX and I'm going to go ahead and buy this. Well, I've sent it to the wrong address or I've gone on to really shady exchanges to use because like back in 2017, 2018, you had to go on like Cryptopia, onto Mercatox, onto Stacks, all this weird stuff. And I've been locked out of accounts because they want you to KYC. I'm like, I'm not KYC and they're going to know who I am. Like, I don't want to give my personal information. I've lost thousands and thousands of dollars, like just with stupid mistakes, but I've also made a lot of money too. And I've right. gotten rug pulled. Um, I've invested in projects. I thought we're going to do really well. The projects died, all kinds of crazy stuff that happens. But at the end of the day, it's my decision. Um, you know, and that, and it is what it is, but it's, I don't, I lose a lot of money too. Like there's, it's any everybody in crypto is losing money you're not it's not all green days it's not the bet what i what i can say is like you need to, it's it's about mitigating losses and it's about um figuring out okay this is this is disposable income should i put it in here should i be taking profit should i be pulling initial investment should i be like you just have to kind of figure that stuff out and you also need to know to read markets and that's what i would tell my tiktok audience all the time i was like we still could be in a bull market but we're in a bearish cycle right now. So you're not going to get these crazy pumps that we were seeing before. If you can make about three to 30% a day, you're good. You're really, really doing a really good job in this market. Yeah. I guess my next question then is how, so I see a lot of people on, I guess the retail trading, not just crypto, but also, uh, but also just uh, the stock market in general, the stock market, at large, S and P five hundred, et cetera, et cetera, and they're posting their, you know, their gains or whatever, and it's like millions of dollars, sometimes a day, hundreds of thousands of dollars. 
um, so on and so forth. And I feel like that's kind of what that's, that's the hook for so many people to follow these guys, these, usually it right. is guys. And I want to, and I want to, and I want to talk about that later too. You almost unanimously, it is guys, not complete, not, it's not a hundred percent, but overwhelmingly so. Um, and that seems to be the, the hook for people to follow these, these guys. What, what is it for you? Do you think that res is resonating so deeply and bringing so many people into the fold, um, coming to your TikTok, so, so on and so forth? I don't, I don't, I don't sugarcoat and I don't bullshit. Like I lose money. I talked about my losses. I talk about them more openly on like my YouTube show because it's easier for me to communicate that information. Twitter is a very horrible place to do so. And it's very, it's, we can talk about that too. Like a lot of these people that are posting gains, some of it's Photoshopped. Some right. of it is very manipulated. There's all kinds of things that are happening. And yes, there are some people that are absolutely amazing. They're absolutely smashing and I'm not giving shade, but the reality is we are losing money too. And like people are like, oh, you know, you talked about this coin and it went to zero or this or that. I'm like, dude, if I talked about it, I was probably investing in it. And if I didn't take my profit out, I got wrecked. Like there was a coin that I bought last DeFi summer. I really believed in it. I believed in the team. I believe what they're doing. I didn't take enough profit. And I invested like 10 grand in it. And the project was like, okay, we're, we're dissolving. They didn't rug pull, they dissolved. And they're like, we could just don't want to do anymore. We're not blah, blah, blah. So I lost all my money. And it's like, like stuff like that happens all the time, but people don't talk about it. Right. Well, I think, I think that makes, that makes perfect sense. Cause I find as someone who, who uh, it hasn't been all green days. I'm not gonna, we're not gonna expound too deeply on this podcast because I want to talk about you, Wendio. Um, but yeah, I could fill, I could fill, fill a book about with all my losses. But so with that DeFi coin, there was one that I saw that had a bunch of people investing in it. And then they just ended up posting some kind of missive on their website being like, hey, we fooled you all. And well, there's a lot of projects that do that. It's not just, and, and that's the thing with the DeFi stuff. This is the thing. If you're listening to this or watching this, whatever, and you want to invest in DeFi, that is not the top like 10 or 20 projects, expect to get rug pulled, expect to lose your money. If you are putting money into something and like on my show, whether I do a, a sponsored piece for a project or it's just me talking about it, I tell people, this is probably risky. Like if right. you don't, if you're not fast, if you're not quick at the draw, if you don't know how to take your profit out, if you don't know how this stuff works, don't get into it. Cause what's going to happen is you're going to forget the project might switch over from some whatever chain to another chain, or they're going to, who knows what they're going to do. They're going to have main net launch, whatever it is. And if you don't pay attention, you're going to lose your money. So right. it's really up to you. Yes. There's a, there's a lot of money to be made, but at the same time, if you don't know what you're doing or you you're not good at admitting like, Hey, I made a mistake, you're going to get wrecked. And then you're going to, it's just not going to bode well. And then you're going to try to blame, blame everyone. And, and uh, the sky is falling. Then you're going to come to me and blame Wendy. Wendy, Wendy talked to me about project um, ABCDE and it rug pulled or, you know, it, it was, it went down 50% because we're in a bearish, little bit of a bearish trend, whatever. And you, you're a scammer. That's what, that's always what happens. So on there's well, on Twitter, I don't even talk about altcoins anymore. I'm like, if you guys want to know about what I'm investing in or what I like, you got to go to YouTube. I'm just not going to, it's just, it just doesn't work. It never bodes well. <laughs> no, I mean, Twitter obviously can be a vile place in so many ways, but for anyone with a, with a public platform like yours, particularly, unfortunately for, for women in these kind of male dominated spaces, spaces where so many people are cloaked in anonymity, 
I know in 2014, there was Gamergate when this kind of was this issue kind of burst onto the public scene in a, in a massive way. And I've talked to other people in this podcast about the misogyny and in the gaming industry. And I know based off this article that you've had to deal with some of that yourself. What has your experience as a woman been like in this overwhelmingly male dominated space? Cause I mean, you're, you're definitely holding your own. You're doing great. Your message is getting out there. The videos are amazing, but I know it's not all, it's not all, it's not all pretty. No. So, okay. So I, I absolutely, I love, I adore men. I think men are absolutely amazing. Men have their own value. They bring to the table. Women have their own value. They bring to the table, but we are in 2021 men and women are both working. It is not, we don't have traditional, we don't really have too much tradition anymore. So both, both, you know, men and women have to work to support a family and that's okay. Um, but there are some industries that are very, very, there's a lot of misogyny, a lot of sexist and crypto is one of those. Um, I have been called every name in the book. I have been, I've been threatened on telegram. I've been, I've had threats against my kid made threats against me made. I've been, I was threatened. Someone threatened physical violence against me on Twitter. I got gaslit for it because I was like, dude, like, do you not understand like what you said? It's kind of like putting a hit out on me the way you, the way you phrase it. And some people would look at it and like, oh, it's not really a big deal. Well, it's a big deal to me because of who I grew up around and what some of the stuff that I've lived through. So I get a lot of, I catch a lot of stuff. And like, if something happens, if the market's down, people on Twitter will like, they will always come and attack me and they'll say, well, this, this, and this. I've been called a scammer for having a YouTube channel, been called a scammer for um, having a, a public telegram group, which I don't have any subscription fees I've been called a scammer for hosting ta meetups for posting my charts for posting my trades like you name it i'm a they they'll they'll come for me but what they won't do is they won't come for anonymous males they won't do it they they won't do it like i can post whatever type of evidence like this person is legitimately scamming they won't do that they generally come for people who are docs and they come for people with large followings and um a lot of times they just don't really have nice things to say about women. Like I could do every, I could do everything that these guys wanted me to do. And it was still wouldn't be good enough. Like when I was just trading, just, just straight up trading and posting my content, it was a problem. It was like always an issue. Like you don't know how to trade. Why are you using RSI? Why are you doing MACD? That's what plebs do. It's like, dude, who cares? Like I like, like a lot of my trading view stuff that because I used to post on trading view so people can see a lot of the stuff was really well I had a really good strike rate and I just stopped posting publicly because like anytime I post something they're like you're an idiot it's like geez like if this is working for me and I'm making money and other people are making money this is great but it's it, it can get really toxic I think the thing the thing that bothers me the most is when they is when people will um I had the last time I was attacked, they were like, oh, this, they made a complete thread about me. It was like a total BS. They even had to retract one of the statements. And they're like saying, well, we're not calling her out because she's a woman. She's a scammer. And it's like, dude, because you said that at the end, I, and I knew exactly why they were doing it, that they're friends with the person that threatened physical violence against me. They were doing it because I called him out. And I was like, I was like, I'm a survivor, like of, of DV and R and all kinds of stuff. Stuff. Like what you're doing to what you, this right here is absolutely ridiculous. If you want to say that you don't like me, that's fine. But like, it was someone that was posting about me for like the last two to three years. And it's always the same people that are posting about me. It's just kind of bizarre to me. 
So yeah, it's, it's, it's weird. So I just, I block and I ignore now. I'm just like, I'm not even going to argue. Cause I used to argue with people and I used to be like, listen, let's talk, come on my show. Let's talk this out. Let's, you know, cause you don't even know me. And these right. same people, I would meet them at events and they would apologize to me. And I'm like, they would come to my events. And I'm like, this is like, so, like I grew up very, very different. Like we, you just don't do that stuff. But anyways. So is it just the block and ignore? I mean, it's, it's difficult for me to fathom how you stay positive and continue this message where you're also clearly, clearly making a big effort to make your platform, your space an inclusive one. How do you, how do you maintain that kind of that focus and that devotion with, you know, these trolls everywhere? Cause it's not about them because a lot of these people that are doing it, they come from upper class families. They come from ivory towers. They don't know what it's like to be poor. They don't know what it's like to lose a parent. They don't know what it's like to be completely alone, to be homeless, to not to have to be sleeping in your car, to not have anything. They don't know what it's like to deal with abuse. And another thing that really bothers me a lot is you don't have to like somebody, you don't have to like them, but a lot of these crypto companies and even the big exchanges and the big, big companies, they are not inclusive to all people. And there's still a lot of very, I'm not going to use the terms, but there's still a lot of shit that happens behind the scenes. And I'm just like, look, thinking of myself, like, how could you not be inclusive to everybody as a whole when crypto is supposed to be about freedom and not being and not being right. censored and all that type of stuff but they particularly leave specific people out and i have a problem with that because i grew up around a very diverse group of people and i don't i don't i'm not and i feel like i feel like i'm like i feel like i'm like fighting with everybody with with these i feel like i'm fighting with the ivory tower people not necessarily to be inclusive, but just to be respectful to other people. And like, to be like, Hey, this person wants to learn, like, just because they're not the same as you doesn't matter. And I, that that's one of the things that motivates me because I grew up poor. I grew up without a father. I grew up with, you know, with different types of struggles. And I feel like a lot of these people, I feel like a lot of people can resonate with that and they don't have anybody that they can go to. And if, if I have, if I'm the one that takes the load off of them, or if I'm the load or if I'm the person that can come in and like, they can come to and feel comfortable, like listening to my show or whatever it is, like that's, that's what I'll do is I'll be, I'll take the load off of them. So that's really cool. You have, you have built this community and I think you mentioned about a meetup. What are, you have the YouTube, you have the YouTube channel, you have the TikTok, you have the Twitter, uh, Congrats on 150K, by the way. Thank you. Yeah, right on. Um, what are the ways that you build, that you do build community? Can you kind of elucidate that, kind of outline that a little bit more? To be honest, I didn't like, well, I didn't set out and I was like, I'm going to become an influencer. Like, I just, I didn't. I just was like, I'm going to come out. I'm going to host these free meetups because back in 20, you've been, you were in crypto then. In 2017, they, like, at least in Los Angeles, because I was like all excited about crypto. I was like, I want to learn more. So I went on meetup.com and I'm noticing all these groups. Like, you had to pay $50 to get in and they were just basically would shill you their coin. And that's okay too. But at the same time, I was like, this is not cool. I want to make, I want to create something to where everybody can kind of come meet and learn from each other. So I've hosted over four dozen free events in the United wow. States. And I did one in Canada too. I, and I host them for big companies too. We did, I did one for, I, I do them for Blockfolio now because they're my partner. Um, I did it for, for Bybit, um, for Hero, for, um, for a lot. And I work with the conferences too, but every single event I host is always free. And the reason why I do these is so if you're in, if you're in town when I'm hosting a meetup, you just come by, just roll through. If I get a sponsor that's buying beer or coffee for everyone, awesome. If not, I just want to create 
like a place where people can come and network and, and talk to other people because your network is where your net worth is. And if you surround yourself with really toxic people, you're not going to grow. But if you surround yourself with really optimistic people, you're going to grow. So yeah. as far as me building my brand, I didn't plan to do that. I just was like, I, I just kind of grew my socials by just being who I was and, and, and being kind of like, like, Hey, come, let's hang out. Let's vibe. Like, you don't have to like me. Like we can talk our differences out. Like even if we had beef before, but just come, let's come out, hang out. Let's all vibe together. Let's grow. Let's learn together. Let's make money together. Like that's the whole, the whole purpose. And every, why, why shut somebody out just because you don't like the way they look. Sure. And so you are seeing a large turnout or at least some turnout for these IRL events and the interactions are mostly nice. Yeah. So I've hosted, again, I've hosted over four dozen. Um, when I, the first meetup I had, I had like three people come, but my meetups, they range anywhere between um, like, like seven to a hundred people, depending on the time of the market. So we wow. did one again in Los Angeles County. I'm going to be, I'm probably going to plan it for next week or the week after maybe in Santa Monica. I haven't decided yet, but I'm going to start doing them once a month again, because the panorama is over. And, um, yeah, they're, they're really great. I've had great interactions. People that have hated me on Twitter have came to my events and apologized to me, like, and then they start talking shit. Again. Yeah. But yeah, yeah they, they've been great. People love them. And it's just, it's really, it's literally just for people to come together and to talk about what they're passionate about. That's really cool. And some, some people, I don't know if they're beyond redemption. There's a, there's a brain worm. There's a brain worm that some folks have. And you know, I'm sorry you have to deal with that. I want to get into some specific coins just to get, you know, okay. crypto, crypto Wendio's take. So, you know, I'm on, uh, I'll check out, I'll check out Twitter every now and then see what's going on with the market, market and the crypto scene. Um, you know, I got in, I initially got in, I initially got into Dogecoin at like when it was a little bit under a penny, my buddy hit me okay. up in like January. Uh, of course I sold, I sold before it, it took off because again, that's for another, that's for a book one day, everything not to do um, when investing in cryptocurrency by Alex Crow. Um, but so I, I guess what I want to, so this one coin came across my, my purview, right? And it just kind of made me laugh in the same way that Dogecoin made me laugh. It just seemed so ridiculous. And then I guess my friend, a friend of my friend started texting him every single day about this because he had invested and he was making all this money. Anyway, this coin is, I'm guessing you've heard of this one, Safe Moon. Okay. What are, what are your thoughts on this Safe Moon? So people made a lot of money of it. And again, I'm not here to shame anybody. I'm not here to talk mess. Um, just this particular coin, when I read the audit, the audit did not look really good. And it's hard for me because I have to be very careful what I talk about on my socials, like very, very, very careful. I'm not invested in it. I'm not opposed to people investing in it. It's a very risky project. If you want to invest in it, just as long as you understand the risk, that's fine. It's not something I would probably invest in. I like, if I'm going to invest in like a meme coin or like something like ridiculous, it's going to be like, it's going to be like super degen and yeah. And, you know, and that's, that's fine too. I mean, but Safe Moon is cool. It's got David Port, Portney, Portnoy, or right. he talks about it. So, I mean, if people like it, that's fine. It's just not something I'd probably talk about on my socials. Copy that. Well, now that we're in the nitty gritty, let's move on to some, some other questions. Uh, it, so we, so like I said, I mean, January, was it January, 2021? It was, wow. January, 2021, Dogecoin is under a cent. 
obviously it then, I think it like bounced up a few months, like a month later to like six cents. It's hovering around there for a while. And then it jumped up and it ended up going above 70 cents. It since has fallen. What's crypto NDOs call is Dogecoin going to a dollar? Um, Today, no, I do. I, at first I was like, I made multiple videos. I was like telling TikTok, you guys are being ridiculous right now. Like, look at the market cap and it, you know, they almost proved me wrong, but because we did get close to like 75 cents or 70 cents. And I made an apology. I was like, you know, I was, I could have been wrong. I apologize. But at the same time, take your damn profit, take your profit, pull out your initial investment. Could Dogecoin hit a dollar? It could, because we have, you have like mega Schiller, Elon Musk talking about it all the time and he's key moves markets. Right. But at the same time too, I only way I would buy more Dogecoin is that I can get back in at 40 to 50 Satoshis. Right on. Um, okay. So now that, now that we, now that you're a heavyweight of your own making crypto NDO and we have invoked the Doge father himself, I want to get your thoughts on this uh, this Elon Musk. Um, what do you what do you make of this guy when it comes to the markets? I don't care for him. It's a very unpopular opinion. He's got a bad vibe to him. I just am not. He's one of those guys that I don't know. There's just something about him that I just don't that I don't like. Um, some of his tweets you can tell are very manipulated, manipulative, or like somebody was writing them for him. Like I remember he came out and he said something about um, about CV and the and the and the and the V, and it just seemed very biz- like it just didn't seem like it was written by him. So I don't know. I feel like he's I feel like he's got a big ego, and that's fine. I get it. Like I get it. But at the same time, too, like he kind of is playing with people's livelihood. Sure. But then with that, but then with that, we are a free market. So it's either you take it or leave it. So he, Elon can do whatever he wants to do. He's just not my favorite person, to be honest. And I don't really appreciate the misinformation he gave about Bitcoin mining and all of that stuff because it was kind of because we all know why he did it if you follow the money. Right. It seems it's there's too much evidence that this is just self-serving market manipulation and even and even if it's not it it's too easily perceived that way that he really each time he kind of weighs in and he's you know the dogecoin rock uh, skyrockets or falls and we've we saw what he did to bitcoin i mean when they announced that tesla had invested in i forgot how many coins it was a, it was a lot of coins um, well they made a lot of their profit from bitcoin right i mean it skyrocketed they bought and when it came out that they had bought the Bitcoin skyrocketed and then he fired off a few tweets about how they were getting out of Bitcoin or not accepting Bitcoin anymore. And that's what that, and I think also the the, the China regulations kind of were what sent it into a little bit of a, a free fall there for a minute. But so I guess my next, my next question, now that we're talking crypto, there's a lot of talk. So Bitcoin came across my, I mean, I probably I probably heard about Bitcoin maybe around 2011, 2013. I heard about it years before 2017 when I actually invested in it. No one came to me and said, hey, Alex, let me borrow a few thousand dollars so I can invest in this Bitcoin. Um, yeah, well the, well, the person he wanted to buy Bitcoin because he needed to buy something on the internet, like computer okay, or something. Right, got and it. I was like, he was using it as as its intended per- purpose as digital cash. Right, right on. Uh so Bitcoin was obviously one of the, the uh, progenitors of, of cryptocurrency. And the, the biggest one, that, I mean, to this day, it's the biggest one. It was the first one I heard of. And then soon after, I heard about this other one, Ethereum. 
And obviously Ethereum's grown substantially over the last four or so years as well. A lot of people are saying that Ethereum, just because I guess of the, the specific actual blockchain technology that it's made out of, a lot of people think it's superior to Bitcoin. There's a lot of folks out there that even think it's going to overtake Bitcoin in terms of being the most widely adopted crypto, potentially from a price point perspective as well. Where do you fall on this Ethereum versus Bitcoin debate? Two completely different codes, two completely different projects. Bitcoin was essentially created as digital cash. It was created as a hedge against the United States dollar, as a hedge against inflations, as a hedge against all these oppressive other fiat currencies. Bitcoin is freedom. It's what you want to have if you need to keep, if you if you believe in inflation and you believe what's going on. Ethereum is for smart contracts. Ethereum is for building. Ethereum is for creating all these itty bitty tiny ecosystems that serve different purposes. Ethereum is, is the backbone of crypto. Um, Bitcoin is different and that's okay. You can have both. They're not comparable. And it might be, Ethereum might be able to take Bitcoin over by market cap. I don't think it'll ever be higher than it price wise, but Ethereum is a beautiful thing and it's just completely different. And it's not bad to hold Ethereum. It's not bad to hold Bitcoin. It's, you know, diversify your stuff. But Ethereum has a lot of problems. Ethereum was created as a POW coin. And now because it's so widely used, they didn't, I don't know if they didn't account. I don't know what the deal was. I wasn't there, but we have problems with transactions. We have problems with the speed, with scalability, with the price to send facilitated transactions. It's ridiculous. I'm just thinking to myself like, this is crazy. So Ethereum has its own use case, but at the same time, we have to be concerned and pay attention to ETH 2.0. Are we really going to be able to merge over to a, a proof of proof of stake? Right. So that's, that's, so, so you said that earlier, POW, um, and this, this in the context of cryptocurrency, I actually just learned this today and I've been kind of in this for a while, POW's proof of work. So mm-hmm. there is on the horizon, this Ethereum 2, which switches over to proof of stake. Can mm-hmm. you can you delineate those at all for us? Yes. So proof of work is mining. It's a mineable, it's a mineable coin. So that basically means that, and, and that's the beauty of decentralization, because for example, let's say I want to send, let's say I want to send your mom some Bitcoin. I can do that. And let's say you're a miner. You are in that mining, like that mining pool, the block, like whatever. You're there and you guys are like fighting. Your computers are fighting over solving math equations. Sounds super nerdy, but it is what it is. And maybe you're the one that gets to kind of facilitate that transaction. You solve the equation and the process that transaction, you get those block rewards. But with proof of stake, it's kind of more like this big pool and everybody kind of is like got like stuff there. And like you can you can stake and you don't have to be super tech savvy. You just kind of leave your crypto in that particular pool and you still earn rewards and whatnot, but it's two completely different ecosystems. And yes, it is decentralized because you don't know what pool you're, you know, you don't know what aspect of the pool is who's doing what, but at the same time, they're very different things. They're very different tech things that are like, I I, I hate that part of crypto because it's not my, it's not my native tongue, but I know it because I have to know it. Certainly. Well, thank you for that. I mean, I, it makes more sense to me now. So thank, So, last crypto question. These are two coins that I keep hearing a lot about. I'm guessing they're on your radar to some extent. And I'd like to hear your take on them as well. VeChain and Card, Cardano. 
So both of those are older projects from like 2017. I want to say they both ICO. Don't quote me on that. VeChain is supposed to be like the supply chain cryptocurrency. It's supposed to be the supply chain, which is great. And now they're trying to merge over into healthcare, which I think is absolutely amazing. I'm here for it. We need blockchain in the healthcare industry. Cardano is supposed to be something that's kind of comparable to Ethereum. However, they've been around since 2017 and they're now finally coming out with their smart contracts and who even knows that that's going to happen. There are cryptocurrency projects that were literally created yesterday that have the capability that can do everything that Cardano was saying that they're going to do. I'm no shame in that. All I'm saying is a lot of those coins are very hyped up and yes, you can make money on them, but me as a person, I would rather invest in something and somebody that's been working consistently hard over the bear market. Um, and I just don't like that Cardano's taken so long to develop. Like why you have all this money, you have all this manpower, why are you not developing? That's my that's my only kind of concern. But I mean, it's they're both gonna do well when we get bullish again, they both will do well and you'll make a lot of money on them. I just would consider creating a moon bag. Um and getting and looking, paying attention to some other coins, especially a lot of these other projects that are newer that um, are like a million times more developed and different chains because there's a battle between the chains right now. And it's going to be very interesting to see who wins and who comes out on top. Yes. Yes, it is going to be very interesting. Well, man, very, very informative crypto NDO. I know between all of your online responsibilities and your familiar responsibilities. You got a lot going on. So I just want to wrap up with some media diet again with everything that's on your plate. Do you have time to stream anything? If so, what, what shows, what movies is, uh, is crypto NDO watching? I like, I've been watching, well, I want to start, I want to, I really like Nip Tuck. It was a really good show from way back then. That's right. I love that. I love that show. Um, I also like Buffy the Vampire Slayer from like the, I think it was on Fox or so. I don't even remember because I'm, I'm old. I like classic movies. Like I like older stuff and I love watching like a lot of the eighties movies with my daughter. We do like Goonies. We do, what else do we do? Watch together. Um, we watch Wizard of Oz. I try to introduce her to some of that fun stuff, but I'm not, I just like, I try to like get off the internet and just go to sleep and just rest or just kind of like relax. Lots of lots of screen time in my line of work too. So I, I totally understand that need to disconnect. Um, all right, so media diet, are you some, some favorite things to cook up in the kitchen or grab for takeout? Like what's your, what are you, what are you eating when you kick back before you decide to crash after a hard day's work? I love to go to small businesses. I'm a big um, small business supporter. So I always go to like local restaurants that are owned by small businesses or by, by, by local entrepreneurs. I think that's really important to kind of support. I do. I like, I love nachos, like super, I live in Southern California. Like I will eat super nachos probably every day of my life. It's, it's just a staple. And of course, pizza, I like a lot of junk food, but then I'll kind of splurge. I'll do steak sometimes too, but mostly like tapas and like the gastro pubs and stuff. Right on. Is there a place for nachos in LA or pizza in LA in particular that you like? The Rainbow has the best pizza ever on Sunset Boulevard. The best, the best chicken soup. Um, there's a lot of history there. If you're listening to this, you need to go to the Rainbow on Sunset Boulevard. You, you just Rainbow have to Room. Go. You have to go. Um, and then um, as far as like, honestly, if you're going to get nachos, you need to go to a hole in the wall Mexican restaurant and get nachos. They will be amazing no matter where you go in Los Angeles, like, but maybe it has to be a hole in the wall.
I don't want it can't be a chain it's got to be like the smallest it probably looks really dingy and dirty but I guarantee you it's not and it's going to be the people are going to be going to serve you the best food amen well Wendy O thank you so much for coming on Creative Pursuits and talking with me Uh, I really enjoyed it awesome thanks for having me all right folks that's it you heard it, Crypto Wendio. As I said at the top of the show, all the links to crypt, uh, Crypto Wendio's different profiles are in the episode notes. And I definitely recommend checking out the Washington Post article. Obviously, we mined everything that they did and more on this podcast, but it is a cool article. Um, and I think the WAPO did a good job with it. So yeah, check check out Wendio on, on TikTok. She makes some really cool, fun videos, and she's she's on YouTube pretty pretty regularly as well. So, thank you for listening. Thank you to Hideout Hill for providing the music to this podcast. Thank you to Team People for sponsoring this podcast. Uh, you can follow us online on social media at C Pursuits Pod at C Pursuits Pod. So we're there. Hit us up. We're known to respond to DMs and emails. Uh, we also have a website. Check us out at our, at our, uh, our www uh, worldwide web address, creativepursuitspodcast.tv. So you can find us there as well. Uh, I think that's it for this week. Until next time, this has been the Creative Pursuits Podcast. <laughs>